0: Welcome to the Insurance Talent Podcast. In each episode, we'll discuss key talent issues and topics today's insurance leaders face. The Insurance Talent Podcast is produced by the Jacobson Group, the leading provider of talent to the insurance industry with your host, Greg Jacobson. Welcome to the Insurance Talent Podcast. I'm Greg Jacobson, co-CEO of the Jacobson Group. On today's episode, We're going to be discussing the current state of the insurance labor market and the results of our third quarter insurance labor outlook study. I'm excited to introduce our guest today, Jeff Reeder. Jeff is a partner at Aon and head of Ward, an Aon business unit, an advisory consulting and analytical firm specializing in the insurance industry. Ward is the leading provider of insurance benchmarking and best practice services. For the past 12 years, the Jacobson Group has partnered with Ward on a semi-annual insurance labor outlook study, which provides insights into labor market trends and staffing expectations for the upcoming year. Hi Jeff, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks Greg, glad to be
0: here. Before we get started, uh, let's give some background on our labor market study.
1: We started this study in 2009 and it's now in its 25th iteration. Insurance carriers across all sectors of the industry participated in the third quarter survey, which ran from July 14th to August 1st of 2021. The goals of the study are simply to analyze the current labor trends and future staffing expectations, also to provide an overview of staffing challenges by discipline, and lastly, provide commentary on the industry's labor market.
0: For today's discussion, we'll provide a brief overview of the study's key findings and takeaways but most importantly, we will spend time talking about some of the questions that were commonly asked around this data. Let's first just take a minute to uh, review the most recent report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Last month, the insurance unemployment rate rose from 3.4% in June to 4.2% in July. Within insurance carriers, the life and health sector is down 9,000 jobs from January of 2021, while the property and casualty sector is down 14,000 jobs. I will say, contrary to the BLS data, we are seeing extreme demand for our services. And as, as an example, we have opened up twice as many jobs in the most recent quarter versus six months ago. Jeff, what are you seeing from your clients and from the study in terms of hiring trends?
1: I think uh, we're seeing a lot of companies that are also trying to fill open positions. We've seen both within the insurance industry as well as more broadly in other financial sectors that uh, many positions are taking longer to fill, uh, in part due to the labor shortage that has uh, drawn on now for the last, uh, we'll, we'll say, six to seven months. And in particular, carriers are finding it difficult to fill many of the entry-level positions where uh, in the past, perhaps those positions were paid uh, $30,000 to $40,000 a year in annual pay. Now we have the service sectors and fast food restaurants, things like that, that are paying uh, perhaps $15 to $20 an hour, which is also competing for those entry-level positions for companies. Uh, So I think the uh, that might be reflective in why some of the insurance carrier unemployment or should say, employment rates are down and could also be reflective of some of the broader uh, economic issues that are taking place. But definitely there is an expectation for most organizations um, to fill positions. And uh, in particular, we're seeing uh, more of a rebound for claims technology uh, and also companies that are trying to build out their analytical staff.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So first of all, let me unpack a little bit of what you talked about. It, it sounds like you're seeing something that's uh, contrary to what the BLS is reporting. I think, and we're seeing the same thing. I think one of the reasons for that is that BLS study is very broad, the entire economy. And it's not, there's not a lot of companies uh, that are representative there. And when you start breaking down industries, it's, it the accuracy uh, can be questioned. Um, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think to the... Um there could be the timing aspect of that uh, obviously there's always a, a bit of a blip in the uh, summer months uh, even for the insurance industry so i do think that's coming into play here but you know it'll be interesting too when companies just the uh, return to work programs and how they're thinking about coming back into the office that that may also be reflected in you know companies still trying to figure out what they want to look like in the future and that could also be kind of delaying some of their hiring uh, decisions
0: yeah, absolutely. And we'll sp- uh, speak more on that um, a little later. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that this decrease in, in the number of jobs, I, I agree with you. I think it is somewhat timing. And I think it, it could also be related to the difficulty in recruiting. Um, so people are, there are people that are leaving the industry. So the industry employment's going down, but then it's just taking time to fill the jobs. But I, I would guess there are some companies that are reducing staff. Are you seeing that at all?
1: Yeah, there are. We've actually seen some of the uh, large, you know, particularly the large national carriers. And, you know, some companies have offered early retirement uh, programs. Um, Others have been more uh, direct in taking some reductions in force, but we're not seeing that so much in the the smaller companies. But I think overall, we anticipate that uh, perhaps close to 20% of organizations will decline in staff overall, but that'll be offset by, you know, the 80% or more that should be growing in 2021.
0: Okay. So, most often, the, the, uh, the most significant uh, driver typically has been in staff hiring has been um, expectations for higher revenue. Are companies optimistic right now about revenue growth and, and how does this impact hiring plans?
1: Yeah, the companies definitely are optimistic. Uh, so, I think in our last iteration here, we saw that close to 78% of companies were expecting to increase staff. The one thing that was interesting though is while the expectations for hiring were largely correlated to growth in revenue in historical studies, we didn't quite see that uh, this time around where the expectations for the, in terms of the percentage of companies to grow staff uh, actually stayed about flat from the January survey. So um, I think it it correlates with what we've been talking about earlier that companies are, uh, they are seeing some efficiency gains in the working from home model that employees are in, so that that could also be again um, kind of correlating everything back to the BLS numbers and some of the delayed uh, hiring. You know, I was curious too. I was thinking about what you were saying about the number of open positions you have. Is that reflective of the number of positions that are out there? And then, are you also seeing the difficulty in filling those positions quickly? I mean, is it taking more time to fill those?
0: Well, there's a couple of things going on. First of all, just I'll dive into that a little bit deeper. The in uh, the fourth quarter of 2020, we opened 550 roughly new new jobs, and um, in the second quarter of this year, we opened almost 1,100. So we're we're talking about almost double. That's why I say that the demand for our services is really um, very, very significant. I think some of the positions are more difficult to fill post-pandemic, um, especially some of these um, uh, task-oriented positions, which is probably in line with what you said, where there are other industries that are competing with the insurance industry. And so people are, are joining some of those other industries because there's more competitive pay uh, there po- possibly. Um, But the other, but, you know, other than that professional, you know, highly professional positions, executive positions, it's just very, very difficult. It's just a very, very tight market. There are very few people who are, uh, who are, you know, actively looking for opportunities and there's been a lot of changes already. So um, it's, it's not any easier. I do have a stat, I mean, when, for executive searches, when, a company is requiring someone to relocate, we are having to call twice as many people as we did two years ago, just to uh, get a pool of potential candidates. I think that's probably a reflection of what's going on in the world, or certainly in the US. Um, what do you think about you know, how companies are gonna be dealing with this issue?
1: We've already seen that many organizations have opened up their um, attitudes, I should say, in terms of allowing those individuals to work remotely, um, you know, there's two another issue that comes along with that is it's not even just the recruiting piece, but uh, there's been a large number of active employees that during this time period have moved uh, from perhaps a, a location in the Midwest that now they've decided they want to live in Florida, Texas, you know, Tennessee, wherever it is, and uh, it's forced the hand for many companies that they if they want to keep those employees that they have to to do that. Um, so that, that's been one piece that's allowed it to open up. I think what will be important is that while companies have these remote strategies is also developing ways that they're going to bring people back in, whether it's once a month, once a quarter or something like that to you know, still build those you know, interpersonal connections that you just don't really get on a video conference. In this episode, we're
0: discussing some of the high level findings from our most recent labor outlook study. If you'd like to view the full report, you can download it from our website, jacobsononline.com, under industry insights in the insurance labor studies section. I, I'm, I am curious though, so are you seeing any? I, I know in the past you've said something um, that there really is no premium for. Uh, uh, location, maybe you know more expensive locations uh, in the industry and that's because the demand for people overall has been pretty extreme. With remote work, are you seeing any changes in that? There may be you know a company that's based out of New York City but is you know has someone that's working out of a lower cost living area or the other way around. any any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, well, there were most large organizations already had some geographic pay differentials. That they had already been applying before this. Um, there has been a uh, slight increase in that. I think our last study was close to, uh, I might have the number wrong, but around 18 percent of companies had begun to adopt new geographic pay um, in their uh, overall strategies. So it, uh, to a large extent, a lot of that had already been done. The challenge will be, uh, you know, I think we've seen it from uh, whether it's Amazon or uh, some of the Microsoft, et cetera, you know, where they've had employees that have moved from their, you know, say, Seattle locations to other lower cost areas, that it's difficult for those companies to reduce the pay on those people, uh, even though they have tried. And generally what we're seeing, uh, and typically we'll advise our clients, is that they can begin to adopt those geographic pay strategies if people do move to other low cost areas, but typically it's not through a reduction in their pay. Be more around uh, freezing their current pay levels, um, you know, across for a, a two or three year period, that puts them back into where they are in their current market. Um, but that, that'll also be difficult to employ because when you do that, then it also brings in the risk of losing that person um, to a, a another position as well.
0: Let's go back one more time and talk about the need for flexibility that we're seeing, or whether there is a need for flexibility. I mean, there's been a lot of talk in the mainstream media about great resignations. And that's, I think that's a large, large part in um, related to, you know, the flexibility that people are now expecting. And there's uh, different, you know, some companies offer it, some companies don't, and what's that gonna mean? What do, what do you think that uh, companies need to do in order to remain competitive? Or is it just too early to know because we're still in the middle of a pandemic?
1: No, I think it's actually probably more critical now than it, it has been. You know, we, I remember back in 2000, we'll say 2006, 7, 8 timeframe. Uh, if you remember, everybody was worried about the aging talent that they had and number of executives that were leaving, building succession planning. And it was all we talked about for maybe that three-year period. Uh, then a recession hit, and that delayed a lot of retirements. Now we've, you know, fast forward, let's say uh, 15 years, not quite but the same thing has occurred where there were people that had delayed their retirements during the pandemic, and now it's uh, gone significantly more in terms of no retirements. So I think right now it's, it goes back to the basics of having succession planning, career development, and the, the right programs put in place to you know, enable that next group of leaders to, to come into the organization. You know, anecdotally, I've seen what's been interesting is there, because of retirements uh, that have occurred, um, I've noticed uh, you know, a lot of younger faces uh, that I'm meeting with. Uh, you know, where uh, you know you have a crafting uh, individual in their late 30s or early 40s taking over for those uh, individuals in their 60s. So I, I think it's it's really going to come back down to re- developing talent, and for the companies that are probably going to succeed the best are going to be the ones that can do that internally uh, versus always needing to go out and hire external staff. And and that's a challenge for small organizations because they have a a smaller pool of individuals to to tap into, but it's still very important. Yeah,
0: I I, I absolutely agree. I I do think there was, uh, we've seen some interesting things that um, a very high percentage in our study, a very high percentage of companies are now offering some sort of hybrid work environment. That's a flexibility that did not exist, you know, a year and a half ago. Uh, I I think that that's going to continue, and that's that's going to be a very difficult thing to roll back. Do you
1: disagree with that or agree with that? No, I, I agree entirely. In fact, our study that we had showed that uh, this was from a, a different study back in May that was published. But at that point, only 15% of the organizations were expecting to go back to the office and working at least four or five days a week in the office. So that tells you that uh, you know it's likely to be 70%. Or more, uh, probably eighty percent or more, that will be um, in that working from a environment.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is here to stay. I think there have it's uh, been proven that it, uh, efficiencies can be had in this environment. You just have to manage differently, and you have to um, you know approach business a little bit differently.
1: Yeah.
0: How is technology and uh, the increase of insure tax impacting insurers' staffing plans? Any thoughts there?
1: Well, the one aspect is that they're becoming perhaps more reliant on those insure tech partners um, to provide certain activities that are difficult for them to perform in-house or don't make sense for them to build that capability when uh, somebody else can do that for them. So I think that's the, the key thing is, is identifying which activities make sense to do internally uh, versus relying on uh, those other parties But, um, you know, the one thing is that while there is a a heavy investment in the insure tech uh, area, that many of those companies still are very small uh, in in grand scheme of things. You know, it might be a team of five or 10 individuals, uh, perhaps other larger organizations might be, you know, one or 200. It it doesn't have the scale um, that can completely replace what carriers themselves will need to deliver. So I think we're going to see smaller components. Um, around digital delivery of services, whether it's making claims payments, accepting payments, you know, chat and text communication with claimants and policy orders. So I think it's gonna be really compartmentalized in terms of certain activities that we be using those InsurTech partners for major processes.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It's interesting though, um, first of all, there's been a change uh, in the mindset of InsurTechs where they previously thought that they didn't necessarily need insurance Talent in their organizations, insurance experience in their organizations. I think that has changed pretty dramatically. And now, in most uh, insure techs, we're seeing like a chief insurance officer teamed up with the CEO. So, someone who brings the traditional experience along with the, the CEO who brings the technology experience. I do think that at senior levels, this seems to be having some impact on um, the availability of, of people because. Of people to bring into an organization because there's there are a lot more senior level jobs because of this, the breadth of the amount of small companies, but they're still hiring the senior level people first. Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think that part of our study, uh, we saw that it kind of had in the, um, you know, I think that ties in a little bit to what we saw with the number of experienced roles that are coming into organizations and where they're hiring those. In particular, the uh, technology type areas and product management. And those were the top two areas where companies, when they were bringing it in, bringing in new staff, they were more likely to be bringing in experienced staff. So I think it kind of touches on those areas, whereas, you know, the claims and uh, perhaps even the um, uh, more operational geared areas were bringing in entry level positions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just curious, I get a lot of questions uh, in terms of whether the labor market is significantly different in the property and casualty business versus the life and health uh, business. Are you seeing any differences there from the study?
1: On the uh, life insurance side, it was showing that uh, more companies were expecting to grow in their staff uh, relative to the PNC companies. So, for example, In this latest view, we had about 51% of the PNC companies were expecting to grow staff compared to about 73% of uh, life companies. So it does appear that the uh, life carriers that participated were expecting to grow more. And that might also be in response to the rebounding economic conditions. That's improving both the uh, sale of annuity business, annuity products, but also there's been a greater demand for uh, life insurance uh, as well. Uh, perhaps as a result of the pandemic. So there there could be some things that are linked uh, to that. The other thing is that the life insurance industry, I would say has probably been a a bit more active in terms of M&A activity and divestiture activity and private equity coming in. And that's been true for the last two or three years. So typically with, with that also comes an expectations to grow business And that might also be leading to some of the hiring that's going on uh, more directly on the uh, life insurance side. And then perhaps the other piece that's affecting the PNC industry a bit is uh, in terms of fewer, uh, perhaps fewer companies expecting it to grow is because of the decline in claim volume that has occurred uh, throughout the pandemic and has continued a bit still here into 2021. Um, That might also be tempering uh, some of the significant growth that we have seen in prior years. That's Interesting, although the one thing that's unique about that is
0: that over the last year we've seen an increase in the amount of uh, hiring in the claims area in general. Any thoughts on that? Have you seen something uh, similar? Have you, are you seen because that, that I'm getting that from the VLS, but I, I you know, again, I don't know how accurate that is, but yeah,
1: I don't know. It's
0: and it may be um meant insourcing versus outsourcing because some of that may be more outsourcing.
1: Yeah, I think that I mean, we have seen in response to a lot of the cat activity last year um, that we saw for whether it's the duration of the wildfires or uh, even some of the named uh, storms that came through, I think it was a record year for named storms, that that uh, likely caused a peak for uh, independent adjuster uh, activity, uh, particularly as it related to those property claims. So my my instinct is there's probably a, a correlation to that. And then um, I think we will see more of a rebound in some of the claims because companies that delayed their hiring because of the low claim activity last year. Uh, they're now seeing that claim activity uh, really at this point is almost back to normal levels. Mm-hmm. So that'll likely have a impact in terms of, you know, replacing positions that they perhaps held off during the pandemic. Okay.
0: Hey, anything surprise you about the study this, uh,
1: this time? I actually, I think the biggest surprise was the first time seeing that the Divergence, if you will, of the expectations to grow staff with the percentage of companies that we're expecting to grow revenue. So, what that tells me is while companies are optimistic, they're still perhaps being a little bit cautious in terms of how they want to build out their future staffing models. And um, you know, I, my my instinct is that we'll we'll see that carry forward you know, candidly throughout the rest of this year uh, until we're kind of past where we think the impact of like the Delta variant will be, or any other future variants. And, you know, when when people get more comfortable with returning to work and to really all activities back to normal, now that's probably when we'll see things get back to normal as well for the insurance industry.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting. A lot of people think the economy is absolutely roaring, but in part that's due to uh, stimulus and uh, I think that companies, insurance companies, particularly who, particularly who think long, more long-term are really evaluating the long-term uh, economy and the changes, the impacts that um, the variant are, is having or variants may have, not just strictly stimulus money.
1: Yeah,
0: I agree. Thank you, Jeff, for sharing your insights today. And, and thanks to everybody for uh, tuning in. If you're interested in registering to participate in the next iteration of our study taking place in January of 2022, we'll put a link to sign up in the show notes. Uh, Make sure you subscribe now and receive our next episode straight from your playlist. And thanks for joining us.